In this episode, I spoke with Lauren O'Brien. She's a comedian and owns a video production company. So we talked about humor, what makes something funny, and when does funny become offensive? How does humor help brands connect with an audience? What brands are doing funny well, and who falls short? Spoiler alert, she liked our humor reel, or at least she said she did. Check it out. Welcome to Marketing Upheaval. You're listening to Marketing Upheaval from Creative Outhouse. Welcome to Marketing Up People. My guest is Lauren O'Brien, CEO of MO Video Production. Lauren has spent a large part of her career writing and performing comedy in London and loves to talk about comedy and marketing, which are two of my favorite subjects. So I'm excited about this episode and thanks for joining me, Lauren. No worries. Thanks for having me. I want to break down comedy since you've done that for a long, long time. <laughs> and there's a quote by E.B. White. He basically said that comedy you can dissect it like you can dissect a frog, but in both cases, the thing dies. <laughs> so I want to start with the most basic topic. What makes something funny? I think it's a feeling. It's like music. Something can be technically funny, but something can also like completely break the rules. Memes are a great example of how that's breaking all the rules at the moment. Because you'll read something and go, this doesn't make any sense. But then it's just the way it makes you feel. I'm trying to break it down in my head every single day what I find funny and why I find it funny. And I think it just has to do with like a feeling, whether it's in that moment, whether it's like something relatable or whether it's just plain old silly. I think it's just the way the music works. It's creating some kind of connection. However you do that, you're not going to create a connection with everyone. No. But speaking of memes, a lot of times when I see memes, often it's things you wish you could say. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Something about like online comedy is the voice in your head that you wish you could say to everybody else. I'm trying to do a lot more with like my stand up as well. And it doesn't work out very well in real life. People don't like that as much. You're supposed uh, to like keep quiet when you're talking to people. It's a strange time. Yeah. Because our societal norms have changed. Yes. Quickly. Yeah. I, I was listening to a, another podcast the other day and they were talking about Gen Z and how they're probably the most empathetic generation that's ever been. And, and part of the reason are these magic rectangles we hold in our pocket <laughs> where we can get each other's perspective. And we couldn't do that before. Like, for example, in the interview, they talked about watching The Breakfast Club with Gen Z's. Whereas in, in my generation, you know, Judd Nelson was the hero. Assistant principal was the bad guy. And now if they look at it, they go, wait a minute, the, the assistant principal is just doing his job. He's not nice, but he's doing his job. Judd Nelson's a jerk in that. <laughs> he's abusive because there's a different sense of empathy, I think. How does that affect humor? I don't think it affects humor. And the only reason I say this is because I think humor is always going to be the same because it is that wonderful like relationship-based. I think what's happening is a lot of people have a lot more behind the scenes opinions. It's like when everyone has reviews over food, like everyone's like, I hate this food. This is the worst thing I've ever had. And it's like they go home, make it themselves. And they're like, this is the best thing I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I'm the stepmom to a nine-year-old. So he's Gen Z. And I don't think their humor is different. I think the way they consume content is different. Like they'll watch long form content, like YouTube videos for hours and hours, hours. But I think it's the same humor in a way. I think we're just trying to put all of our hashtag like woke we're all like aware of these weird things that we were doing before and now we're not able to and we're going oh gen z doesn't like that but i think it's us no they're not wrong no by the way yeah Judd nelson was a jerk yeah. in that movie and you look at it now i think aziz and zari referred to it as t- with 2019 eyes yes and you look at movies or anything and you go oh my god 
that was funny. That's horrible. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think it's, I think it's wonderful that they're like this. When you translate that to marketing, which I think if you're a comedian and you say something that doesn't resonate, you can just move on to the next thing. Yeah. In marketing, things are forever mm-hmm. sometimes online. How does the, the change in our mores, what are some, some successes and some fails you've seen in terms of humor and marketing? I think the best one recently was Pepsi, who did that Super Bowl commercial, the um, Is Pepsi Okay? Because for the longest time, they were like the second to Coca-Cola. Yeah. And I they realized that and they went, fine, let's turn this around. And they had the whole big Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. And the whole time it was Steve Carell going, is Pepsi okay? And it's like, if okay by, you know. So I yeah. love that. I thought that was such a great way of doing it because it's taking your own voice your own brand's voice and using it with the times rather than I feel like a lot of times when things go bad in marketing is because someone's trying to do a joke and not speak from the brand's voice. Yeah. And that's like the biggest problem we find when people send us scripts is I'm like, this isn't your brand. You're trying to be funny and that's mm-hmm. great. And that's awesome. It's really exciting that you're branching out to something new, but like, does this resonate with who you are? Cause whether it's stand up or branding or narrative, if it doesn't have like a specific voice, then it's just a bunch of like noise people are saying. And you're like, I don't connect with this in any way. If it doesn't resonate, if it's not true to who you are, then it's not funny. Yeah. When they try to use what's in the news yes. to to link their brain to it. And the best classic example recently is Gillette. You know, oh, they yeah. tried to do the the Me Too movement and and sort of be part of that. And they failed. Yes. But I think that was production. I don't think, I think the marketing was like great idea. It's like, yeah. And I was so excited to watch it. And then I watched it and I was like, the pauses were weird. It was really long. And like, I was watching it with my partner and we both were like, what is happening right now? Mm -hmm. Cause like the idea is there. And now I hate Gillette. Yeah. No other reason, like (laughs) no other reason, like they were trying to do something good. And now I'm like, no, I can't, I hate them. Okay. That's funny. Cause just from doing it, being in the edit, the slightest pause mm-hmm. changes everything. Mm-hmm. This podcast, for example, <laughs> if you heard the stammering that happens that we edit out, it's amazing. I sound so much more with it than what we have here. Oh, yeah. It's all movie magic. <laughs> yeah. I think people don't understand the timing. Yeah. It's 100% the timing. That's my hardest problem at the moment is I have a bunch of wonderful writers, a bunch of wonderful cinematographers, and then it comes to editors. And because we're new, we only open this year. Um I don't know as many people and I don't know as many comedy editors. And that's where if you miss something, you're just like, oh, no, oh, no, we have to go back. and. So we're going to edit this part out. <laughs> when we had to do some comedy things that are on our reel, yeah. like the, the if you've been at the gym rat stuff or the, the ATL transit stuff, which I thought were very funny. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to a a director or an ed- I went to someone who I knew knew comedy. He could learn the other stuff and he did. <laughs> and he's wonderful. Yeah. And I keep telling him he ought to be a director and he's like, nah. And you're like, you would make, there's so much money in comedy. Yeah, oh gosh. I in know. marketing because people don't know how to do it. A lot of times you look at old movies or movies that are not even that old and they're not funny anymore. Mm-hmm. And some age well. What is, what kind of comedy do you think is timeless and what comedy do you think is just of the now? I think... The problem we're having right now with things being timeless is we're not trying to make it timeless. We're trying to make it something that we can play a lot for a short amount of time. How many times do you go on Hulu and you see the same commercial over and over again and then you'll never see it again? There's some commercials I love and I can't find them. And I'm like, why can't I find these? And I think it's because people are going, we're only using something for the trends because for some reason we're in this mindset that 
things have to be in the now rather than an overall long feeling. Like Coca-Cola does a great job at making you feel about the past and the present and the future rather than just focusing on what's happening right now and like what's going to trend on Twitter and like what's going to go viral. I think we're focusing too much on that and less about, again, that connection and relationship and how to make a brand something that you want to be around forever. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. When you concept things, there's an arc to the humor, whether you're doing a 15 second thing or a 30 second thing or a longer form thing, there's an arc to it. And if you're going to make it great, it takes a while to, to blah, the idea, (laughs) and then you have to craft it. Mm -hmm. And now it's just blah, the idea, or sometimes it's just, it doesn't matter if it's a good idea, just do it a bunch of times. And, and part of that I think is people measuring the results instantly, measuring the results by week. Yeah. Companies wanting to know. Where's my money going? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. exactly. <laughs> is this working? And that's the hardest bit is like on a creative return, you're like, um, this is working because a lot of people like it. And they're like, how do I know that? And you're like, I don't, I can't, I can't give yeah. you a laugh meter for yeah. this, but I promise. <laughs> yeah. It's been running for an hour. Yeah. I, I don't see a lot of stuff. Yeah. You'll know if it doesn't work. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing is you'll know if something does not hit because I love the internet. Like when Game of Thrones, oh my gosh, my favorite thing was watching the, like the tweets mm-hmm. every week is I'd be like, this is amazing because the internet, nothing gets left behind when mm-hmm. it comes to the internet. So I'm like, if the internet's not telling you it's terrible. It's not terrible referencing another conversation I had with someone who owns a gaming company and those folks, they don't mind telling you how they feel really quick about mm-hmm. their games. And he, he said, there's a big balance of knowing who loves you and who doesn't. Cause you're always going to get those negative things. You just have to learn when to pay attention and when not. Yeah. And if people are saying stuff over and over again, then maybe do look and go, okay, this is something on us. Cause as much as we think we're in control of our content and how we feel and comedy is a feeling and blah, blah, blah. It's like, sometimes you're wrong and that's okay. Just take it down and hope no one else saw it. Well, can you figure out what kind of humor should maybe people stay away from if you're marketing something? Yeah, we have a rule with us and I have always done this, whether it was through stand-up or anything else I did. You can do anything as long as you're not making fun of someone who can't stand up for themselves, Mm. whether it means they're in the room or it's someone who's creating as a part of the conversation. For example, I'm doing a lot of stand-up about it. My time as a stepmom, which is awesome. And I love it. Like, don't get me wrong, but I love the idea of what makes an evil stepmother and where does that come from and all these weird like step-parent things. And everyone thought when I was bouncing it around with people, they thought I was going to talk about how awful my stepkid was. And I was like, no, no, no. The idea is not about making fun of someone who's not there. It's making them a part of the conversation. So We always try and do everything where it's, you can make fun of anything as long as they're in the room at the time of creation. Or they've agreed to it. Exactly. Yeah, because I've seen a few comedians reference whether it's a spouse or a significant other or a child, and they always say, well, you know, like- uh, Always approval. Ray Romano used to say, because a lot of his show was very personal, apparently, and his wife used to complain to him, and he'd say, go cry into a bag of money. Stop. <laughs> but it was his way of joking. That's great. He, he had her agree, uh, you that's know, funny. Uh, understanding. And like, that, you wouldn't be together if it ended up being sure. something that was, that's so funny. I've never His most that recent stand up uh, on Netflix, he makes fun of all his kids and they're all there and they're walking out together. I love and that. And they're joking about, you know, what he had said about them. I love that. That's so great. But even it works with brands as well. It's like a lot of times people, because we're trying to go viral and we're trying to be like crazy and kooky and be, you know, provocative. 
I think don't try and do something that's not who you are. And then you're never going to do comedy that's wrong. And I think that's what people try and do. Are there a lot of funny commercials and funny ads? I mean, there's a lot of sort of emotional stuff. That's the new trend. Okay, that's something we've noticed as well. Because when we started, because my partner does a lot of the technical side of production and he is incredible. We have definitely a different taste. He loves the emotional. It's dark. It's beautiful. It's fabulous. And I'm like, bring me the comedy, honey. And it's right now, most of our work isn't comedy, even though a lot of our marketing is towards comedy marketing. Uh, It's what people want because they're like, we don't want to say anything bad when it comes to comedy or like comedy is really hard to do. So we're not going to do that. You can make something beautiful because equipment now is a lot cheaper. It's a lot easier to make beautiful stuff. And two, all these film students coming out realize that they can't get into movies as fast as they thought they could. So they get into branded content and then they're like, oh, cool. I can make a bunch of money doing this. So I think right now, there's a lot more creatives doing that. So people are like, I'm, I'd rather spend less money doing that, hitting the heart, than doing comedy content and spending a little bit more money and yeah. never knowing if it's actually going to hit. Comedy is a, a lot harder. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a book called Contagious that, that talks about what type of content people love to share. Cool. When he talks about emotional aspect is look for emotions that cause a physiological response. Humor is one of those, but so is awe, you know, sense of awe. And yeah. um, unfortunately, so is fear. But <laughs> we'll leave that to the politicians. But comedy is certainly one of them. And humor, people love to share things that are funny. But then nowadays, you know, it's a little tricky. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd rather share something inspiring, a story of a little lion cub that grew up and now people cuddle with or whatever. Those are amazing, by the way. <laughs> if I could do all of those, I would. <laughs> I think the reason... Like we talked about comedy works is in marketing because there's a connection and that's what people are trying to do is connect with an audience. So like I share a joke with you because I want to, hey, this is funny. It's kind of like says something about me, but then you share it and you know, yeah. you make people laugh. Are there brands that you see that are connecting with people with their humor? I think a brand who's doing it really well connecting to other brands, which is amazing. It feels like that moment where like the Disney Channel would like merge two TV shows and you're like, wow, I didn't know they knew each other. Uh, It's it's like Wendy's is doing that so well. Like when Popeye's did the whole new chicken sandwich, Wendy's, of course, you're like, you can't wait for Wendy's to come in because you're like, what crazy thing are they going to say? Because they built this wonderful voice of being like, we're going to say whatever we want. And like, we're going to talk to our audience like we're your sassy friend. And so Mm -hmm. everyone's like, cool, where's the sassy friend? I think Wendy's is doing the best job because they're consistent. Yeah, They're always consistent. They never try and step out. And it's going to be interesting if they ever try and go the route of the, aw, because you're going to go like, ah, shut up, Wendy's. Ah, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, go back to like burgers. So you're going to be appearing in Laugh Your Ads Off, which is an industry event where marketers make fun of themselves, which why not? What are some aspects of our business that you think are funny? When I see commercials now, and I'm like millennial, so I'm so like hypersensitive to everything. I'm like, oh, this is so on PC. But I see things that are happening and I'll see a commercial. And this is the same family you see. It's like ethnically ambiguous woman, white man, because for some reason it's like you can't have like a black man because that would be too scary with like a white woman. And then you have kids with like an eight-year-old and then like a cute little three-year-old. And I'm so confused because I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> I'm like, no one, one is this happy, two, this rich, and yeah. three, this like beautiful, like ethnically like, gorgeous. I had sent you a few links, some of the ones we've done, which self-interest, 
It's our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I cram all of our content of people. I'm like, so just did a little experiment. We, we went out some spots we found, things we found, the videos we found that were very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, just your thought on them. So the, the B, BCF and fun. <laughs> so great because we've all felt use it's feeling useless and that's what they hit is they didn't hit like it's nothing to do with camping it's that feeling of like you can be good if you ha- if you like have the team on you like they've got your back yeah and it's like just using that as the like premise rather than like what if it was all this crazy stuff it's like it's the feeling that makes you laugh not all the crazy things that are happening like i don't necessarily go like that bee chase is the funniest thing i've ever seen but i'd like have been chased by a bee before and felt useless, like trying to impress my family. And that's what I like about it. And I don't know if it says about me, but I thought the funniest piece of that commercial is when he accidentally elbows his kid in the face and knocks him in the water. That probably is a bad thing. But uh, No, but if you've elbowed a kid in the face before, you know how funny it is. (laughs) Yeah, after a while, it's funny. Immediately. (laughs) (laughs) What about like Old Spice? There's a lot of funny Old Spice commercials. The one I showed you has uh, just the guy rescuing his friend from being... A couch potato. I used to confuse Old Spice and Axe a lot as a kid. And Axe was perfect for my generation because it was like that feeling of like you too can be like a Greek god, even Mm -hmm. if you look like the guys from the Axe commercials always did. So I have to ask you, if you're now our comedy expert. (laughs) uh, Official. Some of the spots on our site. You can be honest. Oh, yeah. The driving. I liked the driving one. Which the ATL transit? The traffic one because it was great. It was like, what a great premise of... Oh my gosh, there's so we're all stuck in traffic. So it's like, what if some people do love it? And then it made me like it made me think, which is what I love about comedy commercials when they're good, is it makes you think. You go, yeah. Oh, what would I like about traffic? And then yeah. I was like, oh, I can't drive. I like haven't driven also in like ten years because in London no one has a car. So I like technically haven't driven. So I'm awful on the road. Oh. So like don't drive next to me. I'm liable to, like to everybody. I'm glad you made it. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I have to get back home. <laughs> Switching back to comedy, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen some of the latest specials. For example, Aziz Ansari had a special. Yeah. Where it wasn't the standard stand-up. And we've seen this before from other ones recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a comedian from New Zealand, for example, a female comedian, who where it's stand-up and it's funny, mm-hmm. but then it gets serious. And then it's funny again. So it's more of a, I'm telling you a story. Is that the way stand-up is going, do you think? In Edinburgh every year, they have the Edinburgh comedy festival Mm -hmm. and there was always a formula for it for winning it and it was like funny 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 but at the end it has to have like an emotional thing that makes the audience go all and then hit him with funny so it's interesting that a lot more netflix specials have started to do it because i think they realized there is a formula to like getting a wider audience because then it's not just like joke 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 it's like, oh, it brings you back to an emotional, oh, I understand you're telling me like something and it has more of a sellability point. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it is. It's just people going, how can we sell this and how can we make you more credible as a human being rather than like yeah, watching. Yeah, going back to that connection yeah. again. So I, connect, I know you're telling me jokes, mm-hmm. but now I'm connecting with you because there's some vulnerability you've exposed. Yes, exactly. Good comedy is vulnerability. A lot of people will say like it's a lot of formulas, but... Like Ron Williams was so vulnerable when you'd Mm -hmm. watch him. It's so raw and it's so awesome. So what makes a good comedian is vulnerability. So why not have that wonderful, you know, heart-wrenching moment and then pull it away from people and then go, (laughs) ah, there we go. That's what we're all here for. Sometimes not everything you do is awesome. That's the thing. Look at South Park. Yeah. They get a pass. They can say anything about anyone. And people are like, okay, I love that. But that's because 
they poke fun at everybody. What they did so well, Book of Mormon, is it wasn't going, Mormons are idiots. It was going, we are all a bunch of idiots. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what, I just love Trey Parker and Matt Stone. What made you transition from comedy to now more marketing? I fell into it. Like, I literally like was doing comedy. I was having a great time in London, like doing really well. A lot of people promised me a lot of TV shows, which was amazing, awesome. And then I miss my family. And there's nothing worse than missing your family and being like an eight hour flight away. So I just basically one day was like, okay, I'm going back and I'll figure it out when I get back. And then ended up meeting a bunch of filmmakers. And I was like, I can do comedy. And they're like, I can make things look beautiful. So I was like, let's build a company. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. In terms of comedy, what do you see moving ahead here that excites you in terms of the changes? And what are some things that might scare you? Something that scares me, and that's just selfishly for a business standpoint, VR. I think comedy is going to go more into VR and like interaction. We have to have so many possibilities for funny and it has to be so interactive now, which is like improv, which I'm not very good at. Mm. It's unpredictable. You can have all the formulas and you can have your team and like the improv troupe can be amazing, but you put an audience member in there and you're like, I don't know what's going to come next. It's no longer a stand-up monologue at your audience. It's conversations, active conversations. And that's terrifying to think like balls in audience's court. So I think that's a general trend in marketing overall is that brands are having to cede a lot of control to customers, advocates, and they are all different. But yeah, no, it's scary because I like scripted and as well. Mm -hmm. But learning that sometimes you just maybe have to figure out a way to set up the parameters so that the best stuff could come out of it, perhaps. Yeah. And there's this also an awesome thing that's happening is people, audiences are providing content for brands now, which is really exciting because I'm like, who's better at writing the content for your own company than the people who love it? So I'm, that's terrifying as well from like a business standpoint. So I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> what's going to be my job then? Yeah. <laughs> but it's exciting because I'm like, cool, you're going to get better content if people who love the brand are going to be more involved with it. Doritos does it a lot now. They have a lot of their fans doing it. And I'm like, this is great, but also please don't take my job away from me. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So what's exciting though about moving ahead comedy? I think there's, I have a prediction for where comedy is going to go when it comes to branded content. I think comedy and branded content is going to go back to the original form of sitcoms because sitcoms were a long advertisement. And I feel like with a lot of these large companies creating their own content, I feel like there's going to be TV shows and episodes that brands are going to sponsor. And every episode is going to be about that. I love the crossover, like branded and narrative are my favorite things to merge. So I'm like, let's get ahead of this and be the production company who curates after people and like figures out the formula before other people do and then make a bunch of money. So that's my prediction. And that's my moving forward. Don't tell anybody. No, I don't. I'm just kidding. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was great having you. I love yeah. talking about comedy. So anytime. Anytime. Cool. I'll literally call me anytime. I'm like, I love comedy. I can't, I can't wait to see your, uh, your show. The um, Laugh Your Hands Off. Oh, you guys going to be there? No. I don't like hanging out with bad people. Me either. That's uh, why I'm on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again. Thank you guys so much. Hey, thanks for listening to Marketing Upheaval from Creative Outhouse. If you want to learn more about Lauren and her company, visit momakes.com. For show notes, 
previous episodes and previews to upcoming episodes, visit creativeouthouse.com slash podcast. If you like this episode, get on your favorite podcast app and give us five stars. Subscribe and share it with friends. Our producer is Susan Cooper. Special thanks to Gopal Swami for creating our earcon and to Jason Shablick for his audio advice. That's it for this episode of Marketing Upheaval. And remember, if the current state of marketing has got you confused, don't worry. It'll all change. See ya.